yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, so we're going to get this started. Uh, so we're back with the podcast that has no name. I don't know. Maybe that's just the name at this point. Yeah. I got to like, be creative, bro. Oh, yeah, the be creative or whatever. Uh, well, maybe yeah. we'll come up with a name. We're still waiting on somebody. I said, what, uh, like $20 Amazon gift card? Somebody can come up with a name or something like that? Nothing. Um, but anyway, uh, today we've got special guest Marcus Carter um, at M. Carter Photos. Let me actually make sure I get your uh, name up on the screen, too. Uh, but other than that, um, today we're just going to kind of let Marcus kind of tell his story and kind of you know yeah. put the word out there to like what's important to him and how his business is flourishing and what what things he's encountered and you know whatever whatever we're gonna discuss but this just give you time to like kind of uh appreciate and spotlight other artists and creatives which is something that we want to do more um so just the more we can get different people in here um you know kind of sharing their story and giving their insight on the daily challenges that all of us go through um i think it'll help everybody so without further ado um we can kind of get started here but I guess Marcus, just to get us started, like introduce yourself. Uh, you know all the basics. How long you've been shooting? Uh, what camera do you shoot on? And oh yeah, you think of all the basics. My interview sesh. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, really? People. <laughs> uh, what's up, everybody? Um, Jay, thanks for having me, Dola. Uh, and last third person forgot. Dimitri. Dimitri. Okay, so Dimitri, Jay, Dula, thanks for having me, guys. I'm Marcus, as Jay said, at M. Carter Photos on the gram, also mcarterphotos.com, which is the website. So essentially, I've been shooting going on four years now um, in terms of actually having it mean something more than just taking a picture and thinking that I'm good at something with a camera. Um, Jay, what has it been, Jay? What, like a year now? Happy yeah, year? almost a year. May, May, May is a year. Yeah, May's a year. We're getting there. Getting to the year mark. So yeah, man. Been shooting Nikon. First camera was the oh, good old D fifty five hundred with the flip out screen from back oh, in the day. Crop censored, all the <laughs> whatnot on terrible telephoto, variable zoom lenses. Couldn't do anything right. I'd be lucky to get my forehead in focus. So, so like, like 70 to 300 something. something like that or like a 72 to 425.6 something like that yeah that's pretty much what i started with but then over the years you know spent more money on gear and got to a point really where i just said okay i guess i'm pretty decent and it probably took about i'd say two years of just shooting dogs and flowers and bugs <laughs> and whatever i could point my camera at um <laughs> Of people basically telling me just you know you need to shoot just go do it of course for the longest I was like yeah, I just have this camera I bought it off a friend in college it was really just a hobby at that point when I was bored and didn't have anything else to do but then over the years I had enough people I guess tell me that you should go and do it and actually try to make something of yourself because these are actually really good and I remember my roommate in college at the time actually started up like an e-commerce business and every day i kept sitting there watching him just grind away on squarespace not even knowing what he was doing really but he was just putting in the time putting in the work and chasing something that he thought he could make and i don't know what it was but one day i went to work 
And on the way home, I said, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. Went to Best Buy. I had $500 on my credit card. It wasn't even close to enough. (laughs) (laughs) I specifically remember, because I have one rule in life, which is if it's the last one, you have to buy it. Because it's meant for you. So I get there, and there was one more D7200 left. There was 185.18 left and 135.18 left and one of the laptops that I wanted. So I called Best Buy up the credit limit and bought all of it without a care in the world. Just jumped in full blown head to toe and said, all right, well, now I'm thousands of dollars invested. Now I don't have a chance. So five years later and here we are. You know, I've upped from doing landscapes and abstract stuff to now exclusively portraits for the most part, weddings, events but most of the stuff you see on instagram is that signature cinematic style which is what i mostly focus on um and i guess we'll kind of jump into that unless you guys have any questions so yeah Uh, my biggest question i think i think is a great story i think i'd like to hear about why you buy your camera from your roommate in the first place i mean was it something where you're like hey you know what he has a camera he's not using it let me just jump on it or was it something that you kind of had like some creative gene before that, or was that the first time you actually turned into an artist? That's actually a good question, and it's going to be a really kind of a cliche answer, unfortunately. So growing up as a kid, like my dad always had like these random pictures hanging up, but going through school, I didn't really have extra credits to take like an art class, and honestly, I avoided art like the plague. I didn't want anything to do with anything artistic. I could barely draw a stick figure on a piece of paper, let alone do something creative like paint or draw. So I just stayed away from all that stuff. I just took three different PE classes and all that stuff. But then in college, we were promoting actually. And I was always the one that was in charge of taking pictures. So he always just let me mess around with the camera, take the pictures, turn them in. Didn't really mean much to me at the time. It was just a job. We gave it to him. They put the thing on it. They gave us money. It was cool. Got us through school. But then he was like, well, I'm done with it. So if you want it, I'll give it to you for a pretty good price. And, you know, you can mess around with it or whatever. And I'd always wanted to try photography, but again, didn't think I was creative whatsoever. And <laughs> pick up the camera and it just kind of worked. I, it just from day one was that creative thing that I never knew I had, but I guess it was always there. Um, ever since, I mean, it's all self-taught. You know, I didn't go to school for photography. I haven't really taken many classes on photography. It's really just been learn as you go, watching people, watching YouTube, studying different techniques and just trying stuff until it clicks. So I guess the lesson really to tell the world is if you think you can do something, you might as well at least try it once because you never know what's going to happen. For me, for me, it's kind of cool like with photography. Like you kind of, you know, made me think about a few things about my own journey. It's like with, like with like with art in itself, right? You think just because you can't play an instrument or you can't draw like Picasso or you know that you're not an artist, like and you'll quickly learn that photography is a huge art. And I often are talking to photographers, and they often become photographers before they even consider themselves photographers. Like we're we're all talking about our own journeys, like the very first time we did this, and then. I was telling you guys like how like the iPhone four like came out the the camera quality was kind of yeah. decent. <laughs> and I found myself like 
like like lining up and like looking at different compositions without even knowing what a composition was. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And like seeing different colors outside on the street like better than those around me. But you yeah. didn't, you didn't know. It was like mm-hmm. it, could, it almost became like second second nature to you. Like yeah. did, did you ever like with you? Like did you ever see yourself like catching yourself like with maybe with your cell phone like trying to get the the IG shot before you even consider yourself a photographer? Yeah, it's really funny, actually. Like, I remember a big part of, like, I guess my turning point, really, to really dig into building a website and actually trying to build it into more of a business, not just seeing if a couple people would spend money to have me take their picture, was when I was actually at work every day at Union Station, we used to walk to get lunch with my boss. And I would just take, like you're saying, I would just take my phone out and randomly just take pictures of stuff, whether it be like texture on a wall or some sort of curvature in the ceiling or whatever it may be. And then my boss is like, how did you even see this? I was like, I don't know. It just, something spoke to me and I took the picture. And it was just a whole bunch of that. And then like you're saying, moving forward now, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, I actually really understood a lot of things like leading lines and composition and things of that nature. And I also, I guess my question I want to kind of pose to the floor here is, do you find yourself looking at other people around you that say they're not photographers and you're looking at their pictures, do you see photographer-like traits in them that they don't realize? Because I know I do all the time when I talk. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I definitely, like, shot out of high schools a lot, so I shot with a lot of younger kids that were trying to get into it and stuff. And, you know, I think for everybody, it kind of just starts as a hobby. But some of them, they don't realize they have, like, a lot of potential. And it's something that, like, obviously any talent that anybody has, Sometimes it's just like natural. Like some people picked up a basketball and they're like, "Yo, I can dunk you." You're like, "Well, you should probably play basketball." <laughs> you know, so there's, I think there's certain times where, yeah, you can definitely see that in other people. Absolutely. Um, what would you say? What would you say are some like challenges that you encountered from not necessarily the very beginning, but after you bought that camera and the laptop, and you were like, "I'm serious. I want this to be a business." I want to make this real. What were like your initial challenges that you faced? Oh man, where to start? Um, <laughs> I think the number one most discouraging challenge for really everybody, I think everybody can resonate with this, is knowing where to go to get help to get to that next level. I think it was very hard to know which direction to go in, right? Do I need to listen to this person on YouTube, that person on YouTube? This person says only shoot film. This person says don't shoot on manual. The next person says you shouldn't even be bothered with that camera company at all. So it was very confusing at first. And it just took a lot of time. And luckily, the DC scene, and I got to make a plug here for my friend Myron, um, and Beals Photography, he was a huge part of my transition into really making this a serious business because he was that first person who really stuck his arm out and said, you know, I'll help you. Like, I'm not here to make a whole bunch of money off of you. I'm not here to see you as a threat. I just want you to enjoy this art form the way I enjoy it. And I'm always going to be in his debt in that regard. And he'll always deny it. He'll be humble and modest for the rest of his days. But I think that's another big piece that really has molded me moving forward, not even just on the business side, but really just on the personal side of photography, which is always being that person to give knowledge 
and give information and not forget that I wasn't always at this point. I wasn't always at a point where people were excited to work with me or wanted to work with me or were willing to give me money for my time in photography. Like there was a time where I was terrified. And I remember my first shoot. It was probably one of the scariest things of all time. Like it was scarier than doing the whole fitness challenges in gym class. It was scarier than dancing with a girl for the first time because now it was like people's money is on the line. Like I'm a full blown adult at this point. I know what it takes to make these dollar bills. And I know that these are supposed to be going to people's bills and their livelihoods, but yet they're putting that on me now. And they're saying that I'm now worth that money versus going out to a nice dinner with maybe their friends or family or going to the bar but they're putting their money on my talent. And that was real scary at first. Um, that was another huge challenge. It's just really getting over the fear of I'm worth the money. And that's another huge hurdle, I think, for a lot of creatives, even still today, is understanding your self-worth and understanding your skills. And like, you're here for a reason. And if people are reaching out to work with you, then you obviously have something that they want. And the flip side to this is if somebody is going to, you know, try to play with your prices or lowball you or try to make you feel like you're not that creative person, why give into that? I mean, you're worth something. If they don't want it, that's okay. You know, there's plenty of people out there. You don't have to please every single person that comes your way. I mean, it's nothing personal at that point. It's just business. Either you want what I offer or you don't. And that's a very hard pill to swallow. Um, I've seen so many creatives just lowball themselves and that they'd be so, worth so much more than they let themselves really show and be yeah. simply because they're scared to tell people no, or they're scared to charge what they feel they're worth. So, I mean, that's. Can you, can you tell me about the first shoot? I kind of oh. want to hear the story, like how it went, what was it about? Like, okay, yeah. well, we can talk about how great we are. We want to hear the tough times, you know. I want to hear about how it was when it first started. Yeah. Because we all have been there when that first time you get a job and you realize, like you said, this is not a joke anymore. This is not fun and games. And that's when it comes real. So tell me about that. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I vividly remember uh, it was with a guy named Dante. So shout out to him because uh, he actually forever gets $100 shoots with me for the rest of life. I actually told him that, that because he was the first person to <laughs> put his faith in me, that's what I've done for him. And simply, it was just a dude that liked fashion. He had a bunch of shoes. He had a bunch of outfits. He was like, I like your style. I like your energy you're putting out. And, you know, let's, let's do a shoot. And of course, Tim and me at that time was like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, we can just do some creative stuff. And he was like, no, like, what's your price? Like, what do you charge? And I remember that took so long. I think it took me like four days yeah. to respond to him because I had no <laughs> where to start. I was like, $10, Is it like a hundred dollars now? And if you don't like it, I give you all your money back. Like I, I had no clue even where to begin, but it was down in Georgetown. Uh, it was spring um, before they closed the graffiti wall. And I remember we did three different outfits and you know, I just, he said, you know, I trust you, just do you, I've seen your work, I'm not really needing you to do anything different than what I've seen, so just do you. And I remember one thing that really helped me was music, 
because I was nervous as all hell. I, I mean, I was terrified. Every shot I was overanalyzing, I was thinking 10 steps ahead when I needed to be focused on just making sure things were in focus. Not to mention, I took probably a thousand pictures to give this guy like 10 because <laughs> I was so terrified that they were all going to be blurry that I was never going to get it right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were out there for about an hour and a half. I think I ended up, I think it was like a hundred bucks what he ended up giving me. And he's like, yeah, man, just take your time, send them back to me. And from there, he booked like three more suits with me within the next couple months. And I think that was a really big turning point for me as a business was understanding that he came for what I offered and he trusted me the way I should have just trusted in myself. So that was, it was huge, but it was terrifying at the same time. So when you're in that first shoot, and I'm sure people can relate to this. I'm sure you've all have been there doing your first wedding or your first concert, anything that's your first time, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to always remember that like you are a creative person at this point. If somebody's reached out to you and they've said that they're willing to spend money on what you do, you have something valuable and it's, it can be hard at times, but you just can't mm-hmm. forget that. And I think that was what really got me through it. And it's continued to get me to where I am today. Yeah. It's kind of cool, though, because, like, when you were saying, like, those first-time jitters, um, every shoot and every wedding I do, like, I still get nervous, you know? And it's like, and then that almost, like, solidifies me still having love for what I do, which is kind of cool. So I remember I was watching this, uh, I know, you guys know Kevin Hart. Uh, oh, who? Who's <laughs> <laughs> that? But um, so no, I, was, I was listening to, like, one of his, like, his interviews, and he was saying how that he still gets nervous like, going out, like, on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, like, why? Like, you know what I mean? And, like, he, he went on to say that, like, him getting nervous, like, solidifies that he still loves what he does. Absolutely. Yeah, like, no, that's cool, like, what you just said. Well, that's a good point. I got another question, not to just jump in, but, like, I'm curious about when was the next shoot that you had, or when was the shoot that you had where you're like, I'm here, I made it? And maybe not necessarily like making it, but you just felt that confidence because I think oh. early on it's a point where you're like nervous, but there is a point in time where you're like, no, nah, this is what I was meant to do. I'm good at this. I know how to do this. I'm here. So I know exactly what shoot this is. And this is a huge shout out to another person, Kim. Jay's met her, Spooky City on Instagram. Without the first shoot I did with her at Union Market and Patty, who was the stylist at the time. Unfortunately, all of us have kind of lost connection, but that shoot was that shoot for me. It was a, she was a real model. You know, she was getting, you know, she was working for a fashion company. She had a lot of followers, a lot of people wanted to work with her and she had a stylist. I mean, it was, it was a whole production team and they picked me to shoot those photos. Do you have any of those on your Instagram? Um, not currently. I actually need to dig some of those back up. Oh, okay. um, I was going to pull it up on, on the screen, but we'll I can show send some you of your, we'll show some you of your stuff later. Uh, yeah, we, talk we, can, we, we can pull it back up. I think, uh, here, give me five seconds. Let me see if maybe I got one in the archive and then I can just throw it up there. Let me see if I can dig one out of here because I'm sure I posted one. Let me uh, pause real quick and let me dig in here and see if I have any of them posted way back when because as you know, this is also like my fourth Instagram account since 
everybody's been there on a multiple Instagram account. Exactly. You still, you know, I think it, the one thing I would say is that when it comes to everybody, um, you know, we kind of all have similar beginnings, but obviously different stories, different paths. But yeah. some of the experiences, I think we've all been in a point where we kind of just had a camera. We're like, oh, this is cool and fun. Like, what's up? And then all of a sudden, you're like. I want to do this all the time. And it's like you get that ability to kind of change it into a career. So, um, you know, it's, we're just forced to be here. We have a long way to go, obviously. But cool. So, I actually, I actually did dig those up. Jay, how do you want me to send you one of these? I can um, send you Just send it. You can text it to me because I can pull it up on my laptop. All right. Let me, let me send you a couple of these. I'll send you the one. I'll send you a couple of these. And this will kind of lead down a whole other road, I'm sure. <laughs> of questions i'm gonna send you like four or five from the my favorite part of the set cool. and i already know you're gonna have a question it's gonna lead into a whole nother topic so let me just send these and then finish this and then we can get into that all right so as jay's pulling those up yeah so this was just a shoot it was just a whole fashion shoot that was it you know there was no company behind it there wasn't even money involved you know, it wasn't a paid shoot. It wasn't a client shoot. It was simply somebody that was established wanting to work with me and putting, again, their faith on my talents. And, of course, with that came nerves and jitters and not knowing what I really wanted to do, but I knew I saw things that I loved. And this shoot, actually, I'm just going to dive into it. I don't know if you had Jilly's pulled up yet, Jay, when you do. A moment. Once he pulls these up, I'll, I'll get to the speaking point so it matches what he's pulling up here. How long ago was this? Uh, this was 2016. This was four years ago. Yeah. This folder, I uploaded this folder in, I can tell you exactly when. This was December 17th, 20, oh, 2017. Okay. Very good. So, so when did you start? You said it was like about four years ago. So did you know like a time frame or like what month, what period did you start? Um, essentially. All right. Yeah, I think it was probably like when I really started, even though I wasn't like really making a name for myself, it was probably February of 16th. I got one of the photos up so you can actually start talking about them. Okay. So this should actually incorporate smoke bombs. So for those of people who are watching, they may not know what those are. Those are those little canisters you see. People pull the thing and all the smoke comes out and you do a bunch of cool tricks with it. When I first started, that was my thing, was smoke bomb photography. I thought that was going to be my key to the promised land. I was going to do smoke bomb stuff for the rest of my life. If you wanted a picture with a dog, there was a smoke bomb. If you wanted a picture with a baby, it was a smoke bomb. Got a wedding with a smoke bomb. It was a smoke bomb. It's funny because I actually did do an engagement smoke bomb shoot specifically because they asked for that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. cool. I haven't cool. done it in a while, but I, I think it was kind of a fad that it, since IG kind of killed those. So I had to let those go for a while, let those creep back in. But yeah, I mean, that was a very, it was bigger than just somebody who was established. It was also the first time where I was in pretty much full control because I was incorporating these smoke bombs into the shoot. Yeah. where it was now bigger than just come shoot pictures. It was, let me really see where your creative mind is going to take this and we're going to trust you with it and just let you go. 
Mm-hmm. And the product came out great. I mean, some of those pictures were the first pictures I posted on Instagram to break hundreds, thousands of likes. I remember when I first posted them. I mean, it was insane what happened with those. And it was it was such a big confidence booster in so many ways that it's been fuel ever since mm-hmm. to just keep going, keep grinding, and fight through those fears because – once you get through those, you will be shocked as to what the product will be on the other side of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So how do you feel like you, you tailor manage your style now? Like I was just like briefly scrolling through your Instagram. Like I love your style, man. It's like like deep mood. Appreciate that. Yeah, That's the mood. <laughs> the mood. So this, I mean, I saw a lot of different styles. This was actually one photographer when I first started. His name was Josh Flynn. This was his thing. He was big into moody photography. And when I saw it, it just, it was different. It just hit different. It wasn't just like a clean picture, like, oh, that's cute or oh, that's beautiful. It was like, man, that's like different. So then I just started exploring any different possible way I could bring out emotion and feeling and that mood focused in my pictures, whether it be, I did a lot of night shooting for a long time. Um, a lot of shadow play type stuff, yeah. a lot of really ang- weird angle work stuff and line work. That was a lot of what he was doing. And he was a huge inspiration into what now is kind of molded over the years into my now cinematic style is what I now call it, where it's another layer on top of that mood. I got to a point where you know, I did the whole IG follower chase thing. I tried all the growth methods. I was watching all the videos and taking all the classes. Mm-hmm. And I had the followers at one point, not trying to blow my own horn, because it's one of those things that I think a lot of people, especially on social media, need to really realize. And I say this a lot to a lot of people. It's it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. You don't need 10,000 followers to be successful. Like, yeah, Instagram gives you tools and they send you badges and awards and sure, it looks cool in your social circles, but you can get page shoots with five followers. You don't need 10,000. And it really got to a point where I said, I want my photography to mean more than just somebody saying nice picture or flame, flame, flame hearts or camera, camera, (laughs) whatever it is. I was like, I want people to think. I want people, if they get upset, I would rather them get mad and send me like a DM and say, man, like this picture, like what the heck? I would rather that because it means that you looked at that picture and it actually hit you deeper than you wanting to just put a bunch of random emojis Mm. in the comments. And that's when that whole mood part had to be elevated because I felt like I kind of got to a point where I knew what I wanted to do with that, but then... I wanted something more from it. I wanted it to be something that I really could translate into more of a business sense. And most people don't want dark nighttime, no flash, barely see their face photography. You're not going to be able to sell that kind of stuff. That's just the nature of the beast. So yeah, it's great for creative aspects. But then if you add the aspect of like storytelling and character building and the extra layers of concepts, that's where that cinematic style has come from. It's been a combination of the initial moody plus engagement type angles that I've seen or wedding type angles that I've done or fashion type photos and just letting 
the picture be something that people can resonate with on a deeper level than just seeing it for a cool picture. Like I've had people reach out saying, you know, that last picture took me back to this kind of a time in my life. Or, you know, I, I appreciate you showing this side of things because most people don't show that. Like those kinds of comments and those kinds of messages are worth way more to me than hundreds and hundreds of likes on Instagram because it means that you're really connecting with people on a really deep creative level. And that's really what has sparked this cinematic style. And I've actually found that not only having that unique style, yeah, it's fun creatively, it's what I really wanted to do, but it really has sparked a lot of business for me prior to this whole COVID-19. I mean, I shot some headshots for like a JP Morgan banking guy. Like, it had nothing to do with cinematics, it had nothing to do with Moody. They were the cleanest pictures I've probably ever taken. And I asked him, I said, you know, why did you pick me? Like, why did you fight to have me do it? Because I remember that I was pretty busy that day that he wanted me to shoot. And I said, you know, I can refer you. You know, I have plenty of friends. You know, I was ready to send them to Jay or send them to you, Duel. Like, I had people ready to go. But for some reason, I just said, no, like, I want you to do it. I'll work around your schedule. I'll move it around. So then I asked him, I said, why? Like, why did you pick me? And it was really shocking to me when he said it was different. I saw it on the feeds and it was different. It was nothing to do with these headshots, but it was different. And that was so gratifying to me to hear from somebody that was not even in these circles of concept or movie photography, but just a standard guy that wanted some normal headshots say, I picked your stuff because it's different. And I've kind of latched on to that word different and just continue to try to mold it and continue to try to make it different. And that's where I'm at these days. All right. So I got another question. So yep. a lot of times here on this nameless podcast, we like to focus <laughs> on be creative on yeah we creative if we're going to do that we creative um a lot of times we like to focus on the business aspect like down to finances and marketing and stuff uh, so right. a big thing that makes me curious so your your approach is being different which is great because i feel like every business needs an identity and we all need that so another thing uh that we all have to touch on is that marketing aspect and that selling aspect that sales so my question would be if i am fictitiously a a prospective client but i want you to shoot my wedding how do you sell to me in shooting your style for my wedding because and let me preface this by saying like it's not to to like you know pin you up against a wall it's just I, th I think it's important for people to know that they can shoot in their own style and that people will want to still pay them to do stuff. Um, but you have to be able to sell it to them and you have to be able to explain why that matters. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. So I think there's actually another layer to what you were saying, too, which is flexibility in style, because. When it, especially if you're talking like weddings, it's actually really funny you said that because before hopping on here, I actually had somebody reach out to me asking if I do wedding engagement content and they didn't see it on my feed. So it's really funny that this topic's coming up now. And essentially, when I talk to them about it, I say, you know, this is my personal style. It's cinematic. I explain it to them. I explain where I'm going with it, why I shoot it the way that I do, really what the ultimate goal of it is. I let them look at it. I let them see it. 
However, then if they say, you know, I really love that, but, you know, I don't want the, you know, the blue or the amber tones. I want it to be more traditional. You know, I want to show you to my family and friends. That's okay because the shooting style is still the same. The canvas stays the same. That cinematic style, a lot of the time, is just the edit that's layered on top. So if for some reason, you know, they really don't want it, but they still want to work with me based on the style of shots that I've taken, then I just tell them, hey, you know, visit my website. I have multiple kinds of content. Go take a look. Let me know what you think. And if you like it, you know, we can talk and go from there. So when you're trying to sell your style, yes, you should not really cower to people that say, oh, well, if it's not what you do, then okay, go away. And that's fine. You know, you shouldn't sway away from who you are as a creative, right? If your bread and butter is one style, stick to that style, right? If you're not comfortable shifting out of that lane and this is what makes you you, don't shift out of that lane because just because that one person doesn't want you doesn't mean the next person won't. And at the same time, if you are comfortable shooting in multiple styles, offer that to clients. Offer that to them. Let them know that, yes, I primarily do this, and I would prefer to do this because I think this is the best work I can provide to you. However, if you want something more standard or more traditional, I can do that too. And that's how I've sold it over the years, and it's probably about 50-50. I'd say most of my portrait stuff, people actually come, and I tell them, you know, I have cinematic or I have fashion lifestyle, and they say, you know, pick a couple pictures, that you want, and I'm expecting them to pick most of those fashion or those lifestyle, all the standard stuff. And they always throw some of the moodiest pictures I have on my feed from like two years ago. And I'm just like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do that. And I even had somebody reach out to me and wanted to do their whole birthday party in that cinematic style. And if we kind of push this more into the realm of like weddings, right, or concerts, or anything really that's big event photography, if you think about cinematic style and really what it is it's really the art of telling a story whether it be through one frame whether it be through 10 frames whether it be through video whatever it may be and you can kind of incorporate that into more of like a photojournalistic style in terms of weddings and i've learned now that that is really where the market is going for a lot of times is people want that story they want to be able to look at 200 300 400 of their pictures and relive that day in its entirety through that album, not just seeing their pictures of themselves or of their family, but they want the little details. You know, they spent a lot of time and money putting on whatever type of event this is, and those little details matter. And sometimes they don't even pick those pictures in the sets, but I recommend give them to them anyway, because they're not going to take you very long to edit. You're not doing a bunch of retouching. You're not doing anything like that. They may not say they want it, but they always appreciate having those extra little moments of things that maybe no one else cared about. But for them, it was really important simply because of maybe how they obtained it. Maybe there was some sort of a story behind it. And it's really how I've gone from just doing cinematic portraits to allowing it to be a full range business. so yeah, that's. I do, I do have a quick question for you. Yes. Um, one thing I struggle with is that I, I primarily do weddings, right? Right. But I, I do so much more. 
I love to do so much more. I want to do so much more than just wedding. How do you, like, like if someone would approach you, like, what would you call yourself? Are you a portrait photographer? How do you keep yourself out of the box of being just a portrait photographer? So I think it really comes down to how, again, this is all, you know, back to your marketing, right? If you label yourself a wedding photographer, that's all people are going to ever know you for, right? If you label yourself as, say, a freelance photographer, that says, I am freelance, I don't work for a company, and I have multiple things that I can do because I'm freelance. And in turn, if you have a website or multiple Instagram or social accounts that reflect that, then it all brings that title full circle. Another term that I actually learned recently was session photographer, where those are usually dedicated to certain blocks of time right? Whether it be a corporate event, whether it be a family session, a portrait session, and, you know, it could even be a couple session, an engagement session. And that gives you pretty much everything under the spectrum except for weddings as a whole, because it is just a bigger, badder monster of what weddings are. They're huge. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of technique involved. You know, it's something that takes time. And I haven't done a whole bunch of weddings. Um, I do enjoy doing them. I do think they're fun. And, you know, if you're doing weddings and that's your main focus, but you want to do more, just give yourself a platform, you know, even if it's just for you. You know, it doesn't have to be simply to make money because at the end of the day, you don't want to burn yourself out either. You know, you don't want to lose your love for photography simply because there's one kind that keeps your bills paid. If you want to go and shoot pictures of birds, create an Instagram, create a TikTok, create whatever you want, or just create a really quick basic website for birds and just target your stuff toward bird people so that you can have people that like that kind of photography appreciate your art. And it doesn't have to be for money. And it just keeps your head in the game. And, you know, if it makes you money, it makes you money. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. That's kind of the premise that I'm at right now is that, you know, I know that most of my stuff that I love to shoot creatively is not a big money maker. Like I'm not going to be able to really support a family off of what I do yet. You know, there's plenty of people that if they, you know, Andy Warhol, for example, he has a very unique style, but over the years, people figured out who he was and he created a creative legend within himself. And that's what people pay for. You know, they pay for working with that kind of a person. And that just takes time. And honestly, it takes a little bit of luck. It's not a lot of luck. You just kind of have to strike the right thing at the right time. And if it takes off, it takes off. And if you don't, you can't be discouraged by it. You just have to really understand some things here will make me money and some things here will make me happy. And this is where I learned actually from a photographer named Logan Deddy is I talked to him a lot and he does a full blown wedding business like yourself. You know, he supports a family off weddings. He does senior portraits, all of that, but he still does creative work as much as he can. And that's what he says. He says his rule now is three things that make me money to one thing that make me happy. He says, as long as I keep that balance, I will always be okay. But if I only do stuff that make me money, then I will never be fully happy. And if I only do things that make me happy, I will never make money. And that was real. I mean, that was one of the real things I think I've ever heard somebody say to me um, in terms of like photography business. So that would be. Yeah. I mean, I got a question about, so 
how how is this COVID situation when it comes oh, to man. the level of being able to be creative, um, being able to work on your craft, being able to make money, like you said. I mean, these are all factors to your business and who you are as a photographer. So how have you been coping with that? What are things that you could do? What are What's the advice that you would give the people who are out there in your same boat? Right. So I think that also really depends on your exact boat, right? Because I do have a nine to five job. So like if I'm not booking photography clients right now, I'm not sweating to keep money on my table. But there are people, you know, like yourself who do this full time and that's harder. You know, I don't honestly have an answer for those people because I'm not in their boat and I can't try to advise that I know what they're going through. I mean, I have multiple friends who are in that situation. It is rough for them. But what I think I can say is, you know, keep doing as much as you possibly can. Try to maybe sell prints, sell stock photos, you know, try to get your work in front of people that they can buy it without you having to interact with them. You know, I think event photographers right now are definitely struggling. You know, it's, it's hard when all the events are canceled and it's hard for wedding photographers where stuff's getting pushed back six months where you were kind of banking on making a certain amount of money for the first six months of the year. But I think that one thing that I can recommend to all people is all of this time that we have, even though it is very impactful on the business sense of bringing in money, it's very valuable in terms of setting yourself up to make a lot of money once this is all over. And I've seen a lot of people, and if you think about it, yes, we're not pulling in a whole bunch of clients and people aren't really booking, but during those times where you're slammed, you're doing four or five weddings a week, you're doing a whole bunch of concerts, you don't have time to do anything else. You're turning out photos and that's it. You're maybe updating your website one time in three, four, five, six months. Now is a time where you can start pursuing other avenues to get your name out there with the portfolio you have. You know, you can get yourself on new platforms, get yourself on, you know, maybe if you need to start up a new website or revamp your website, that's what I've done is I've primarily focused on, okay, right now I'm not making clients, but how can I position myself once they open these doors to hit the ground running at hundred miles per hour so that all of those people who were sitting at home, vegging out on Netflix or whatever, complaining that they are so bored. A lot of these people are the same people that are also saying, I don't have time to finish my business. I don't have time to make myself in a better position because I'm so busy. Right now, we have nothing but time. And yes, the time right now can't bring us monetary value, but you definitely have enough time to set yourself up. So I think that's the best piece of advice I can give on a global level is figure out a way, whether it's a new skill or a new avenue to go down, try something new, or, you know, take some of your old pictures or your old content and see if maybe there's a different market that you can market to. You know, maybe you've been pushing it to a certain dynamic based on all your analytics and try something different, try something opposite. What's it going to hurt right now? So, I mean, that's probably my best piece of advice I can give to people on a full scale, whether you're a full-time photographer or, you know, second full-time or part-time is just figure out how you can position yourself. That's what I've been trying to do. Great. Um, Last week, we actually had this question asked, but I thought
thought it would be appropriate to ask you too, because uh, it just kind of moves over to kind of your process as we're talking about finding new clients. Um, a lot of the clients you work with are models because you're you know, portrait photographer. Um, yeah. So what do you find the most challenging when working with a new model? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a challenge, I think, on both sides, but I think it's one that's very easily to fix. And a lot of the models, per se, that I've worked with are not like paid models. These people are not coming from agencies. They like to be in front of the camera. They know their angles sometimes. Other times they don't. Mm. Um, and the number one thing that I think is the most challenging is comfort. Getting somebody who's not comfortable in front of the camera, one-on-one -on -one especially, to be comfortable can be very, very challenging. And it will show in the pictures. I mean, yeah. just like they yeah. say, everything shows on camera when you're on video, it will definitely show in your images. And I say this to everybody, whether they're a seasoned model, whether it's somebody who's just coming to me because they like my style and they've never done it before. And actually, that's a big part of my portrait client group is people that are not models. They just say, I really just want to take some cool pictures. And a lot of people, that would be terrifying. But if you focus on making sure they're comfortable and just having fun, from there, you know you're creative you know that you're going to figure out a way to make it unique and you're going to make it you. And these people came to you for your style. So as long as they're comfortable and they're having a good time, just do you, but just make sure that they remain comfortable. A lot of the times I bring a speaker to my shoots for the most part, as long as I can. And I'll tell them if they're uncomfortable, I say, what's your favorite music? right? What's your favorite song? And they give me a couple songs and we play them. And from there, you know, we sit there maybe. There's times where for 5, 10, 15 minutes, we won't even shoot any pictures at all. We'll just sit there, listen to music and talk just to get you comfortable, kind of bring those nerves back down, bring that anxiety down to the point where you realize like you don't need to be you know, Victoria's Secret runway model to have good pictures of yourself. You just need to be comfortable and have fun. And the rest of it really is not their job. <laughs> the rest of it is my job. I'm the photographer. I'm the one that has to make sure that those pictures are coming out in a professional, creative manner, because that's what I'm selling myself to do. And they shouldn't feel the pressure that they need to be really doing a whole bunch of that. Now, of course, if they have modeling background, that just gives you that extra layer on top of that, where if you're doing what you need to do and you don't have to do a lot of direction, yeah, you're going to have content that probably will be better than that person who's never done it before. But that's not to say that the people who are brand new can't also have very good pictures of themselves that both of you can be happy on, yeah. because I've never had that problem. Um, and I've actually had a good amount of people that have said, you know, I, your people just look comfortable. They just look like they're having fun and I just want to try it. And it's never been a problem for me. I've never had any real issues with model versus non-model, whether it be guy, girl, older, younger, whatever it may be. If you just focus on that comfort, uh, I think that you'll be golden for portraits and for most photographers. All right. I think we've got time for one more question. All right. Let's 
47 minutes. So we'll do like one more question and then I'll right. give you an opportunity to ask us a question. Uh, gotcha. So Dull or Dimitric, do you have any questions before we let him run rampant? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Dimitri. I don't know, so I, I was going to kind of bring the conversation back to the beginning when you were mentioning that you kind of just dropped everything and spent thousands on new equipment. Oh. So we, we had a conversation last week about, like, ideal lenses for a particular shoot. Ah. So with that being said, so you, sounds like, you sound like you have an array of lenses and, you know, equipment. Um, what would be your go-to oh, lens? I, <laughs> I can answer this for Marcus. I can answer this for Marcus. Should I go get it out of the bag? Because it was my well, same pick. It's sitting right over on the shelf. <laughs> is, that, is that a 24 mil? So it's funny though, because I actually, when I started, I had two lenses. I had a 35 and I had an 85. That was it. And actually before the 35, I only had an 85. I was shooting 85 inside. I was standing on couches. <laughs> and like, no vertical grip or nothing. So I'm holding the camera off. <laughs> but no, so I mean, my, my favorite lens is definitely my 35 prime. Um, it's just, it's been versatile for me from day one. I've just been comfortable on it. A lot of people have said, you know, why don't you just use a 50 millimeter? And yeah, I could have used a 50 millimeter, but I started on a 35 and I just became very comfortable with a 35. And I also use the scene in a lot of my pictures. And I found that the 35 gives me the best balance between utilizing scene and that person. Um, but for anybody starting out, I tell people that it's not about really the gear. Like, yeah, the gear will obviously give you a little bit of a leg up once you really know what you're doing. And if you really can't get what you need out of your gear, yes, upgrade, right? But most of the time, I mean, there's photographers out there. I know one photographer down in Richmond, she's shooting on a T3i and a 50 mil. And that's all she's had for years. And mm -hmm. she crushes people. I mean, she takes people out left and right. Uh, Tara XOXO. Oh, yeah, yeah, you showed it. Yeah, she's got a T3i with a 50 millimeter. That's like a $300 camera setup. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and she crushes people because it's not about the gear. And a lot of the times you talk to the camera connoisseurs and they're like, oh, well, you need this lens and that lens. And if you're shooting weddings and you don't have a 7200, you can't do it and this, that, and other. Well, that may be true, but I also don't have $2,400. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people get very discouraged by the price of lenses. And yes, it you do get to a point where every lens you buy is going to pretty much be a thousand dollars. I mean, that's true. If you're really talking professional level, you need to understand what you need to shoot. And for portraits, I think prime lenses, you know, 35, 85, 105, you know, those three lenses for portraits, you're pretty much good forever. Um, I think for weddings and events, um, and Dole, you can kind of chime in here. This is this is really your domain. I'm stepping in here, but 2470, um, 70 to 200s for weddings, um, and probably like a 24 super wide to get those whole scenes, things of that nature. And that really just comes from research. You know, talk to people that you admire. Talk to people that got you into that style that you like to shoot, and ask them what are they shooting on? Why are they shooting on it? That's the only way you're going to know. And then at the end of the day, rent the lenses. 
try them out. See what you like and what you don't like. Don't listen to everybody else. If you like it and you can get what you want out of it, that's all you need to do. It might be one lens, it might be five lenses. For most people, it's usually like two. So. Yeah, it's funny you say because like I said, I, prim I primarily do weddings. And I shoot most weddings with the 85 uh, and the 50. There you go. And I, I get away with it. Yeah. I'm telling you. And I remember when I first started, like the whole talk was like, if you don't have a 7200, you're not going to be able to. And then, like, I remember I remember, I almost dropped. I was nervous. I had my book my first wedding. I was, and I couldn't rent a 7200. I right. almost dropped, like, over two grand because I thought I needed a 7200. <laughs> I went there with an 85, and I knocked it out with an 85. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I remember. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's more about what are you comfortable with versus what actual lenses you have? If you know your gear, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. Know your gear. Okay. Well, that's perfect. Well, we're going to wrap up the podcast portion of this. Um, so Marcus, if you have any closing remarks, you got like, Three minutes. Uh, I have three minutes. Yeah, a lot just, of time. just thank the people, just to thank the people that are listening, or you know, just a couple minutes. You know, shout out uh, your social media, where they can find you, how they can get in contact with you, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. And then I'll give you time to ask us some questions for the stream. For sure. So I mean, first off, I mean, thank you guys for having me on here, being your first guest. I'm honored. I'm humbled. You know, amidst this. COVID-19, this is probably the most excitement we've had here creatively <laughs> for me, at least in a long time. Um, I dig through my archives and try to find that one picture I haven't posted yet that I can re-edit. That's pretty much all I've been doing. So I appreciate you guys having me on here and listening to me talk because those of you who know me know that I do love myself some talking. And um, yeah, for those, you know, for all those listening or watching live, you know, I also appreciate your time. I always say that as a creative, we are all products of the people who support us. And without those people, we would not be where we are today, whether it be friends, family, fans on Instagram, people who gave you a shot to shoot their wedding, concerts, whatever it may be, you know, all those people play a role in getting us from that very first step to whatever goal we have set for ourselves. So I want to thank everybody out there for that. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, primarily it's at M Carter photos. And then same thing for the website. It's M Carter um, That link is in my bio. I'm actually working on my own blog too. So hopefully I'll be trying to get to your guys' type of level here doing some podcasting type stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the floor, all the great questions, you know, let me talk about, you know, my journey and hopefully it can inspire some people coming up or people who are already here, you know, maybe it'll help get them to that next level of where they want to be by the end of this year. Awesome. Well, thank hey, you Marcus, for, for sharing for sure. Yeah. I appreciate it, bro. Of course. No problem. Right. Anytime. And we're going to close out the we creative podcast maybe <laughs> we 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 might be creating podcasts uh but we'll come up with a, a good name eventually we'll come up with a, a solid name eventually but until then uh just make sure to tune in check out all our social media it's been on this corner now of this screen the whole time uh make sure to check those guys out and yeah we'll catch you next week because we don't have anything better to be doing uh, <laughs> so we'll catch you there. Peace.